0: So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, I have Brian Basilico here. He is a podcaster. He is an expert in sales and marketing. And uh, thank you for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Umar. It's a blast. So sales is the easiest thing to do in the world at the same time is the hardest because you have to deal with your own mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh kind of thoughts on that? Like that duality of it. It's like you need something, I got something, let's make a deal, and then, then we've got our own stuff we need to deal with that gets in the way of us showing up powerfully. Yeah. So your thoughts on that, that duality of it. Uh,
1: well, I you know, the the concept is when when you're going to do sales, it's it's Really understanding the end user and where they are in the journey. I always look at the sales journey and I I call it from a lead to a prospect to engage to a purchaser, right? They're ready to buy. So the key thing when you're doing sales, and this is what I look at marketing, is where can I meet them in the journey so that when I do have that sales conversation that we're on the same page? So the duality becomes, you know, how can I get the messages to these people
0: that keeps me top of mind until they're ready to make that decision? Absolutely. And what's really amazing is, yeah, I'm the best salesperson in the world. You don't know that. On the times I <laughs> I call someone and they happen to be in the market for it and they're desperately waiting for, uh, I was just going to do that. And, and I seem like a genius at that. And mm-hmm. I get this illusion that I'm better than I am, but you're right. It's, you need to. To connect with people, you need to engage with people, and you need to be patient. Mm-hmm. I was uh, coaching the sales team, and one of the salespeople had said, "You know, I finally got that guy to uh, list his house with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sent him another uh, uh, text message, and the uh, leader of the team said, well, how many text messages did you send? He goes, 21. Mm-hmm. And he forgot all the other 20. It was just the 21st one came at the exact moment that he needed to take action, and a lot of salespeople think I'm gonna annoy the person. No, you're not. They don't even remember you. But if you stay connected, that's how you win. Absolutely. It's all about how do you provide
1: value at the time and the place where they're at. You know, so communication, I look at I look at marketing as basically the spark plug to the sales engine, right? Mm-hmm. You're still going to need fuel. You have to have the product and service. But the bottom line is sales is what drives a business. That's how you yes. make money. What marketing? A lot of times marketing is misunderstood as just an expense to try to get people interested in sales. When really what it is, is a way to prime the pump to get people to stay aware of your product until they're ready to make a purchase.
0: Yeah, and I think actually uh, sales is the superset. I mean, marketing is the superset and sales is an element within it because marketing tries to figure out what products we need to create in the company, what the customers really want. We equip our salespeople to have the right tools to go out there and connect. And once the salespeople connect and get the sale, it's the marketing people that follow up to make sure, you know, did it live up to it? What do we need to change? What do we do better? So it's not that they should be competing with each other, but they should be supporting each other because they're part of the same system. Well they are part of the
1: same system but unfortunately especially in bigger companies they tend to be in different buildings. And yes. you're in Baltimore so I'll give you a real life example that I think you can understand. I'm not trying to get political but it it really kind of explains it. You know sales and marketing are two pieces of the same pie. It's part of our government, right? Mm-hmm. It's called it's called the, you know, legislative branch. But the thing is is that the House of Representatives represents the salespeople? They're the ones out doing forums and meetings with people, and, and they represent a group of people that's a smaller subset, right? They understand their yep. audience a lot better, and so they put together a lot of um, a lot of great ideas. And, and so that's what the salespeople do. Now, the the Senate tends to be where legislation goes to die, right? You know, yep. they pump all that stuff in, and it sits there. That's marketing. The problem is is that they say well this is this is what we want this is what we want they're not listening to what the house is saying that their people want, right? They're looking right. at the bigger picture. So marketing tends to sit in its own house. Even when I worked at AT&T, the sales org- we had five buildings in the one complex and sales was in building one and marketing was in building five. And you had to walk through all the other buildings to talk to each other when they should be on the same page. And the way I look at marketing is marketing should be driven by what the sales people are telling you the co-
0: your audience is saying. Absolutely. They got the finger on the pulse. Mm-hmm. So let's take the sales cycle. So getting an appointment is a critical part of the sales process. Without that, you can be the best closer in the world. If you can't get enough at-bats, forget about it. Right. So in this day and age with people with voicemail, people also being bombarded with stuff, you wouldn't believe the number of calls I get from numbers that are identical to my phone number. Mm-hmm. As soon as I see a number that's really close to my number, I know it's a spammer. calling to do something. So how do we get appointments in this day and age? So let's say we're a, let's say we're a training company and Mm -hmm. we're reaching out to VPs of sales. How do we get their attention? How do we get them to actually have a conversation with us?
1: Well, the simplest way to do that, number one, is connect up with them and don't try to sell them anything first, right? Just say, hey, you know, I'm interested in what you have to say. I've been following you on LinkedIn, let's say, or I've looked at your website. I just want to connect, right? And then the key thing that you have to do is you have to stay in their purview. So how do you stay in their purview? You wish them a happy birthday. You talk about their promotion. You do something to engage with them on a personal level. What that does from a social media standpoint is the more you engage with somebody, the more the algorithm shows them your stuff.
0: Yep. So
1: the thing you have to do is be present, right? You And, and it's something that I do in business called the 10-10-10. What the 10-10-10 is, you pick out 10 people, 10 minutes, 10 words. All right, Every single day, you reach out to 10 people and all you say... And when I say 10 minutes, it's one minute per person. You can send them an email. You can send them a Facebook message, LinkedIn message, Twitter message, smoke signal, whatever you want to do. But the 10 words you say is, how are you doing? How can I help you? And if you reach out to 10 people a day, the average person will reach somewhere between 150 to 200 people a month. And even if they don't respond to you, at least they are you know, aware that you're there and that you care. And people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So by staying in front of those people, it gives you the opportunity when the time is right for them to maybe communicate back, right? And you have to track those things. You have to think about, you know, am I entering the right data into my ERP CRM? Um, Right. How do I keep track of all of this stuff? How do I manage? You know, people look at it as managing customers. I look at it as managing relationships.
0: Absolutely. So once you've got the engagement, it leads to, uh, hey, we should do something. Let's do a presentation. So talk to me about presentations in this day and age. What's the best way to present? What should we focus on? And how do we create presentations that get people to move forward in the sales process?
1: Well, I think the best way to create a presentation or do anything in marketing is is know the person that you're talking to and let them design the presentation for you. So ask them a bunch of questions before you give the presentation, then make the presentation answer those questions for them and give them an opportunity to be engaged in it. I don't know if you've heard of a tool called uh, um, Mentimeter. No. Um, It's Mentimeter is a... um, it's, a, it's something that I use in presentations. I learned it from somebody else. And b- bottom line, when I go in to present to a group, what I can do is I could pull the group, they could pull up their cell phone, and basically I, I ask them, okay, what was the biggest challenge during the pandemic, right? You just ask them to put in one word, and it creates a word cloud. Or you can go in and say, okay, who said uh, it was the kids, right? And you can ask them questions. If you ask people questions and engage them, they're going to be much more involved in the process, right? so that's the
0: tool so give me an example of a specific client you were working with and the interview you did before you did your presentation what were some of those questions like give me a real life example
1: sure so real life example is i had a customer who came to me and said we're spending a hundred thousand dollars a year what the heck are we getting for it and i said i don't know right this was before i got the the job So what I did is I said, okay, well, let me go look at what's going on. And as I was looking at their process, like how much are you spending on, on Google ads and Facebook ads? What are you doing here? Uh, Are you doing any eBooks? Are you doing any webinars? Are you doing any videos? And what are you spending on those? And why are you doing them? And asking them the questions. They basically told me what they liked and didn't like. So when I went in and did the presentation, I was basically echoing back every single thing that they told me and told them immediately how they could save 60000 of the 100000 and allocate it towards
0: the things they wanted to do rather than spending it on what they were doing. Brilliant. And I think the thing people desperately want from uh, desperate housewives to mm-hmm. billionaires is is someone to listen to them like truly human to human connection is like so important and so often overlooked by let me tell you about my fantastic thing exactly
1: and- yeah more so today than ever before, because we're all, we're basically starved. I mean, I went in the other day for a doctor's appointment. They said, you haven't been here in three years. And it's like, yeah, I haven't been here in three years because there's been COVID. I couldn't get in, right? So, you know, now I was able to go in finally. And, and, you know, after we started talking about it, it was amazing how that time had passed. You know, people are just hungry for communication, for human interaction. So the more you can interact as a human and not as a robot, the better off you're going to be.
0: Brilliant. So let's talk about handling objections. So you've got the appointment, you've done Mm -hmm. your research, you figured out what they want, you get the appointment, you figured out what they want, you do the presentation. And at some point you go, would you like to X? And then the objection comes out, whatever the objection is. So how do you handle objections in an elegant way that strengthens the relationship with the client, but also Mm -hmm. moves the sale forward?
1: Well, the, the you know
0: my business
1: is very unique in the sense that I don't have a lot of clients and a lot of sales and a lot of objections. Usually, what I say is we are a good fit or we're not a good fit. And what happens is when I tell a client we're not a good fit, a lot of times they will say you're right, or they'll try to justify why they are. Right, so that's kind of the key thing is when we get to that point and they're they're bringing up all these objections. I'm saying, you know, I'll give you a clear cut example. Is one of the customers came to me and said, "Well, I like Constant Contact." I said, "Okay, well, no offense, but it's it's a great email platform, but it doesn't do what you need it to do for your business." And they said, "Well, I don't want it to do anything more than what I do because this is the way I like email." I said, "Okay, that's great that you like it that way." But bottom line is, do your customers like it? You're not talking to you, you're talking to your customers. Well, I am my customer. Okay, I don't think we're going to be a good fit. Well, guess what? They called me back and said, tell me more how we can fix this problem. It took them a while to realize that they were in their own way. So that's, that's the
0: way I overcome objections, is give them a chance to figure it out. I bet you the people listening to this uh, podcast, all four of them, uh, Hi, Mom, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, are going to remember this. Think of a customer where all the flags were, do not do business with this person. And for mm-hmm. whatever reason, we pushed through and we got the deal and we regretted it. Oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And so pushing back early is not a bad thing. And if you lose that thing, you're actually probably saving yourself a lot of grief and a lot of headaches.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. If somebody wants it too badly, I mean, one one of the other telltale signs to me is like, if I, if I pay you now, will I get a discount? And the answer is no. Um, You know, if that's what you're interested in saving money, then you're looking at the wrong place. What you want is value. You know, the biggest and the biggest thing about what I do for businesses from a marketing perspective is everything is based on only one thing and one thing only. And that is, how do I create better conversations between their sales team and their customer? Right. And so what how do I know when it's working when they pay their bill? And the thing that I was able to do is, you know, a company making about $50 million had a 30% increase in the middle of a pandemic. Why? Because we listened to their customers and we made better connections between their sales team and their customers. And the customers bought more of what they could get and needed in the supply chain COVID era.
0: Interesting. One of the things you mentioned was, you know, uh, you and I are having a great conversation in the middle of that conversation, in the deal that we're doing. And I just had this happen recently. I hired somebody in that negotiation part, out of the blue, the issue came up of not taking advantage of people. Mm -hmm. As soon as I see an issue like that kind of surface by the other person, I kind of make a mental note. Watch out for that behavior from that person. Yes. And sure enough, it's been two weeks and every single promise and deadline that was promised has been ignored. Mm -hmm. And it was like, so if you're doing a negotiation and the issue of trust or fairness or something comes up out of the blue, then just put a red flag up and go, okay, I'm going to monitor this really, really closely. Yes. I
1: bet you could read that in their eyes, can't you? And you can mind read that whole process. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if you're uh, listening to this, we actually did a podcast uh, a couple of days ago where I was teaching uh, Brian how to use uh, reading eye movements to uncover what people are thinking. And we're going to actually put a connection to his podcast in the show notes here so you can go find it. So we get to the stage of we're closing the deal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And closing the deal is uh, could be as simple as, what would you like to do? But also mm-hmm. we need to set expectations of, okay, now that we're moving forward, this is what this relationship is going to look like. So mm-hmm. there aren't any surprises and there isn't anybody kind of going, I want to return this. I don't think I wanted to do this. So tell me about how you close and how you make sure the close stays closed and more so it sets the stage for a really beneficial relationship between you and your clients.
1: Well, one, there are two key things that I tell my clients up front. Number one is there's, there's no support.
0: refund.
1: No, well, yeah, there's no, no, actually there is a refund. <laughs> I, I give, teasing, yeah. yeah, I give refunds. The bottom line, I have a very simple, oh, I'm sorry about that. So I have a, speaking of which, that was one of those calls that you were talking about. <laughs> but one of the things that I do is I tell my clients, here's the bottom line. I have no contracts. So you have nothing to worry about. You're not going to be stuck with me for a year. It's a month-to-month thing. If you're happy, pay me. All right? If next month you're not happy, then pay me and tell me you're done. And if you're really unhappy, don't pay me for the last month. That's the way I work with my clients. Smart. They know. Too. They know 100% that they're, they have no, there's no long-term commitment. They're not stuck in something. The second piece of it is is I tell my clients I have two expectations from you. Number one, you're going to show up every single week for a meeting. And you have to show up for that meeting or reschedule it, but we have to have that meeting every single week so that we can realign our expectations of each other. So, you know, they know they only have to commit to four meetings, right? And uh, and they have to live up to their side of the commitment. And I let them know, if you don't live up to your side of the commitment, then I will fire you. So that's the key. So the expectation is... I will deliver on my end, you have to deliver on your end, and we have this mutual agreement. Now, moving forward, we'll figure out where it goes from there because the world is fluid, right? So we have to be able to adapt to each other and figure out the best way to work together. And the companies that have stuck with me have done so for years and years and years because we both have lived up to our commitments.
0: So one of the areas that's really kind of interesting is uh, there are some people out there, salespeople, that uh, can get the appointment. Mm -hmm. They do a great presentation, handle objections, close, ask for like large sums of money without uh, uh, breaking into a sweat. Mm -hmm. But if you ask them to ask for a referral, Mm -hmm. it violates something within. So some people have a lot of difficulty asking for referrals, even though they're doing a great job and the clients love them. So A, how do you ask for referrals? And B, how would you recommend someone that's got difficulty asking for them to actually ask?
1: Well, there's, there's a couple of different ways to do that. First and foremost, if you follow the 10-10-10, it's a lot easier because you're in constant communication with those yes. people, right? Second one is... When I ask for a referral, I just say, is there anybody else who's not a competitor that you think that could benefit from this? And I don't want you to tell me now, just keep that, you know, basically plant that somewhere and let me know if it pops up. So what you're trying to do is plant the seed on that. The next piece of it, and this is a LinkedIn piece of gold, is if you want to get a recommendation or get a referral or do something from somebody, the best thing you can do is go in and give them a recommendation on LinkedIn. Because LinkedIn notifies them, they have to prove it to get it put on. And generally speaking, what they'll do is you'll have about 70% of the people that will come back and actually think about you and reciprocate in a better, we're competitive. So they're going to write you a better recommendation by you doing it first. And then now you're exposed to their entire audience. So they're basically
0: recommending you to all of the people that they would do a referral to anyways. Brilliant. One of the things that uh, has been a focus area for me of late is engagement. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you engage with people in a deeper way, especially if it's a group? So if you're in LinkedIn, you've got a post that you want to create engagement for that adds value to many people, not just one. (laughs) So how do you go about creating engagement at all levels? One-to-one in the sales situation, Mm -hmm. one-to-many in, let's say, a post in Facebook or LinkedIn, and also kind of be engaged with the people that you lead yourself. Okay.
1: So there's a formula for this, and it's called a race. All right, and there's two different races. There's the marketing race, and then there is the sales race. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn more about this, go to b2b-im.com. That's my website, B2B Interactive Marketing, b2b-im.com forward slash ebook. You can download and it explains it. But the two parts of the race, from a engagement standpoint, R stands for relativity engagement. The, um, the next thing is, um, I'm sorry, I have to go through my brain. So it's without having it in front of me. So it's relatively, is it relative to the person? Um, the A is awareness, excuse me, right? Mm -hmm. A is awareness. The C is consistency and the E is experience. Okay. So, and what I mean by experience is more engagement. It's creating (laughs) engagement with other people back. So the R, is it relative to that person? Right. Are you creating awareness? You do the awareness through consistency. You constantly post that group every single week. If you post once a month, nobody's going to see it. But if you do it on a regular basis, they'll know it. And then the engagement happens when somebody says something on your post, likes your post, go and thank them. It's that simple. If somebody clicks and does a like, go say thanks for clicking. If somebody puts a comment in, comment back. You have to engage them in order to get them to engage you. That's the marketing side of the race. The other side of the race, the sales side, is R is relationship, A is authority, C is cons- commitment, and then E is experience. So the bottom line is you have to create a relationship with that person, you have to build authority, through that relationship that you know what you're talking about, then you have to have a commitment to them. Show them that you're going to deliver on what you promise. And finally, create an experience for them that they've never had with anybody else. Be different and make them feel like this is going to be different than the other guy trying to sell me the same product for $0.10 less. Brilliant.
0: Brian, thanks so much for being on the show. But before we part company, is there a brain hack that you use to be more effective, close better, be happier, be sexier that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Yes, I have theme days. And the theme days are this, I have a marketing Monday, it's training Tuesday, working Wednesday, togetherness Thursday, and flexible Friday. Monday I spend working on my business, basically my marketing messages, get everything prepped for the week. Tuesday, I train my people and I have a business coach that trains me. Nice. That whole day is dedicated to learning, giving, and, and teaching. Wednesday is working Wednesday, it's when I do my client meetings and I plan all of my work activities. Doesn't mean I don't work the rest of the week, but that's the focus of the day. Togetherness Thursday is where I do networking and also will just have random meetings like a lunch club or, or do podcasts and things of that nature. And then Friday is flexible. I can go golfing. I can work. I can do whatever it is that I want to do. So having a theme day helps you to better understand what needs to get done each time so you're not sitting here trying to scramble.
0: So, Brian, before we part company, uh, we're going to put all your uh, connections emails, uh, social media stuff in the show notes. But if you could share, as people are running on a treadmill today, listening to mm-hmm. you, uh, how they can get a hold of you and how they can get that ebook, because I think they're in a race to do better in life.
1: Exactly. And it's really simple to find everything. All you do is you go to link dot, or link ee. It's linktree. It's linktr.ee forward slash bacon guy. And if you go to linktree.baconguy, or excuse me, linkTr, it's always hard to do this URL, linktr.ee forward slash bacon guy, you'll have connections to everything. Podcasts, blogs, LinkedIn, the ebook, everything is there. Brilliant.
0: Thanks so much for being on the show. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation.